Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Rhode Islanders will go to the polls to choose a governor this fall. Between now and then, we're interviewing all the major candidates here in Rhode Island Report. Today, we're talking with Ashley Kalis, a healthcare executive and newcomer to Rhode Island, who is the only Republican candidate so far. We'll talk about where she stands on the major issues, what she knows about Rhode Island, and how she became a New England Golden Gloves champion after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Ashley Kalis, a healthcare CEO and Republican candidate for governor. Thanks for joining me, Ashley. Thank you for having me today. So to begin with, tell us why you're running for governor. Rhode Island needs a fighter now more than ever. COVID brought front and center the haves and the have-nots, and every day is getting harder for working families. We're getting killed at the pumps. Food prices are soaring. It costs more to heat our homes. And the dream of home ownership is so far out of reach for many. And as a mom of three school-age boys, I understand the struggles. For me, I'm a problem solver. And I saw through administering COVID testing and vaccines how government does not work for the people. And I'm all about holding people accountable and getting things done. I believe in key performance indicators, benchmarks, and standards. And that's what I'll do as governor. You've never held public office before. Why begin with the governor's position? I think it is a um, a great uh, position for my skill set. I've been an executive. I've led organizations. Um, and I understand what the job is. I've also worked in a governor's office. You recently moved to Rhode Island. So what qualifies you to governor state you barely know? What people don't know is that my husband was here for eight years. He trained at, in surgery at Brown and then started a practice uh, working at Rhode Island Hospital in Hasbro. In 2008, we were engaged in Providence uh, and we hoped to start our life here, but we had $250,000 in student loans and uh, we couldn't afford to be here. So we left. Now we're back. I've always wanted to come back and I love Rhode Island. So as a native Rhode Island, I won't give you the full Rhode Island trivia quiz, but just let me ask you, uh, have you ever been to Benny's? 
I was uh, basically living uh, at Benny's, it, where Benny's used to be in Middletown. Um, <laughs> where Benny's and, used yeah, to be. yeah. I have spent. Uh, I can show you where the bathrooms are if if you'd like. Um, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time there. Um, what did you get there? What did I get there? Well, I was I was administering. Uh, I was doing mass vaccinations, so that's where Benny's used to be. I got you. I got you. what. So, what's your argument for replacing Governor McKee? I think that I would do a better job. I think that um, Rhode Island uh, needs different leadership. We need an outsider and we need to change directions. Why do we need an outsider? Uh, I think for too long, uh, insiders have been uh, running the government and it hasn't served the people. And I believe that you need a working person that understands the struggles and has a history of success and is not beholden to anyone. Yeah, you just announced you're putting $500,000 of your own money into your campaign account. How much are you willing to spend to get elected? I am willing to write or raise whatever it takes uh, to have a competitive race. You're the only person so far to emerge as the Republican candidate for Rhode Island governor. So let me ask you a few questions about your party. Who is the Ro- Rhode Island Republican you admire most, past or present? Hmm. This feels like I'm going to get I'm going to get in trouble with this one. Um, <laughs> I would say perhaps Governor Chafee. Oh, which one? Uh, ooh, now you're going to ask between the father and the son. Come on. <laughs> um, well, two two different politicians. I tend to like the first. Your sequels are not my thing. <laughs> uh, a poll conducted in December by your alma mater, UMass, UMass Amherst, found that just 21% of Republicans say Joe Biden's victory was legitimate. The rest think it was stolen. What would you tell those Republicans? I believe in free and fair elections. Believe that um, this was a legitimate election. But I, I can't tell anybody anything, right? You can't make people believe things. Right, right. Well, what do you what do you think of the efforts of Donald Trump to question and undermine the 2020 election results? I am really focused on this election. I believe that uh, questions uh, about uh, Donald Trump are a distraction, right? Well, he could be on the ballot uh, in in the next uh, election and. We don't know who's going to be uh, on the ballot in the next election. I can tell you that I'm on the ballot as governor in this state in this election, and that's what I prefer to speak about, especially with uh, so many of the issues that are um, happening within our state and our community. And I I mean, if we want to talk about a president, we can talk about President Biden and the fact that, you know, gas prices have almost doubled. Inflation is hurting families, uh, making it so they're choosing between, uh, you know, buying food and uh, filling up gas tanks and, you know, taking kids to sports or going to work. Um, We're on the brink of a recession. So I think focusing on here and now is what matters to Rhode Islanders. You said you would be the education governor. What's the main change you would make in the Providence Public School District, which has been taken over by the state? Yeah, so I, I will be the education governor. It's deeply personal to me. I was a failing student in high school, a terrible student, and a Department of Education official made a decision to allow me to attend college during high school. And that version of school choice likely saved my future. 
as a state, we need to decide to be first in education in the nation. And the easiest way to do that is to look to models that worked. Uh, and Massachusetts is that model, not just because it's next door in Massachusetts, but because it is a national model of education reform and is a model of a turnaround. And that's what we need, is we need a turnaround. We need to have high standards and pay our teachers more. We need to ensure that no matter your zip code, you have a quality world-class education. This should be a constitutional right. And and when you talk about school choice, what is it that, how would that play out in the Providence public schools? If you're a student in Providence, would you be able to go to a suburban school? Uh, if your child is in a failing school, you would be able to choose a public school of your choice. What would be the impact on the schools where ki that kids are leaving? Like what what would be done to help those schools? We're not saying we're not going to support and help the school. Mm -hmm. You're not going to abandon the school or not provide funding. That's actually not the model uh, in Massachusetts that we look to. You actually provide more support to the school. More funding. Correct. You must support mm -hmm. a school that is failing and also give the child uh, or that family a choice. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, a binary thing. You don't have to trade off in that case. So we support the schools that are failing so that they can succeed. Mm -hmm. And we also support the individual child to make a choice so that they are not trapped in a failing school. There's no need to have a trade-off between these two things. To get back to your point about the gas tax, you said you're in favor of halting the state gas tax, correct? Correct. We need to uh, help working families, and that is a sh uh, short-term uh, way to do it. And so we should do what we can to provide relief now. The State Department of Transportation has warned that it would cost the state $320 million in federal funds, 20% match of state funds for federal funds, and they use, they would lose money for road and bridge projects. Would it be worth it? You know, every time we talk about relief or um, something similar, somebody says that it's a terrible idea and we would lose everything. I think that we can find a way to make it work, especially as it's a short-term solution. Uh, we can find a way as a state to make it happen. So you're running for governor at a time when Rhode Island has several major crises going on at the same time. So let me ask you what specific plans you have to address them if you become governor. Uh, let's start with the pandemic. You're an executive at Doctors Test Centers, which is state contracts to provide COVID-19 testing and vaccine services. As governor, what would you change about Rhode Island's response to the pandemic? So at the beginning, everybody was just doing the best that they could do. I got involved at the very beginning of this, so I know that. Uh, but we could have done better. I believe that we could have moved to an endemic response sooner. Tell me about that, uh, moving to an endemic approach. What should the state have done to, to make that happen sooner? So it's a return to normalcy. Yeah. And the response changes when you accept that COVID is, is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And that acceptance drives policy. So what policies would you have changed sooner? I think as it relates uh, to closures and mandates and also the reaction to increases in cases, how we measure things also matters. Closures of, of the businesses? Yep, businesses. What do, you, what do you say to Rhode Islanders who uh, refuse to get vaccinated? You know, we've got a pretty high rate of vaccination, two shots, but the, there's like, oh, I don't know, 20% of, of the state that's not vaccinated yet. My organization 
delivered over 30,000 vaccines in Rhode Island. I think it's more than that. And I'm proud to have helped make Rhode Island one of the most vaccinated states in the country, the most vaccinated, right? But I believe in choice. And I believe that individuals should make a decision for themselves. It's a healthcare decision. You, you've said you admire Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Do you think he handled the pandemic better than Rhode Island did? I think that he accepted that COVID was going to be endemic sooner. And I think that his policy was driven in that way. And if we look at the economy um, and we look at where Florida is now, um, it's in a better place than we are. In, ter- in terms of the economy? Correct. And also return to normalcy. What's, what's one concrete thing we could do to prepare for climate change here in the ocean state? We need to prepare for flooding events. That's going to be something that is going to become a really big issue for us. And if we don't prepare for it, um, then it's going to impact businesses and people in ways that are um, devastating. And so if we're not preparing for flooding events, uh, it's going to be problematic. One piece of legislation we see again this year up at the state house is a proposal to raise income tax rates on the top one percent. What do you what do you think of that idea? I think we need to look at it more. Based on that proposal, we would have the highest uh, marginal tax rate east of the Mississippi. So I think that if we talk about competitiveness, we really need to make sure that we are competitive. And that would may not make us competitive. So I believe that we should look at it more. Would you sign that bill if it came to your desk as governor? I would want to look at it more. Three Republicans are running for the second congressional district seat. Who do you support in that race? I don't get involved in family fights. (laughs) (laughs) The um, Globe quoted you in a story back in 2001 when you were 18 years old and you had just won the New England Golden Gloves in Lowell. How did you get started in boxing and are you still boxing these days? I love boxing. I walked into a gym one day. I walked downstairs. It was in the basement. It was not very nice. The people were very nice, but the gym is not very nice. And I started uh, working on the bags and I was ignored for a while. Nobody would coach me or pay any attention to me. And then I just kept on going until uh, Jimmy Farrell decided to teach me how to box. And uh, eventually I ended up winning the Golden Gloves. And are you asking if I'm still boxing? Yeah, yeah. Are you still boxing these days at all? Yes, but I am not sparring. Um, I would love to, but my husband is not so uh, excited about that. And um, I could get hurt. So, um, but yeah, I still do train. There's nothing like boxing in the world to me. I love the sport. Um, had there been more opportunity for me as a woman boxer, I think I would have had a different trajectory. But when I started boxing, there weren't women to fight. Um, and the opportunity was limited as a female athlete. Uh, finally, let me ask you, who's your favorite Rhode Island boxer? Vinny Paz. Paz. All right. Ashley Kalis, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. My colleague Alexa Gagas has a Q&A with Brandy Leach, the founder of Haven Box. It's a new Rhode Island-based nonprofit that provides comfort boxes to survivors of sexual violence before they leave the hospital. Alexa also has a story on a new publication at Brown University. It's called The Black Star Journal. 
The newspaper was founded by students as a source of black news, life, existence, and culture on campus. And I report on a new bill that would prohibit prospective homebuyers from sending love letters with photos and personal stories. There are concerns that the letters could lead to unconscious bias and de facto redlining. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Amy Padula. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.